Hello and welcome to another episode of The Philosophy Guy, and I hope you wish to enter the labyrinth with me here today. And today we're going to have another interview, but before that, real quick, if you could take the time to please share the podcast, uh, leave a review on iTunes, that helps a lot. Um, Check out the Patreon page for the bonus episode feed and other links below, such as the Discord to to stay up to date and, and all that fun thought-provoking stuff, right? So <laughs> today's uh, guest is Jordan Bates. Jordan Bates is, he is the co-owner of the very successful website, High Existence. I recommend you check that out. He's also the creator of Escaping the Rat Race, which is a toolkit on escaping the nine-to-five, following your bliss, and living free. He also runs the popular newsletter at Refine the Mind, and those links will be below. So Jordan is a very smart dude, that has definitely thought deeply about the topics we discussed in this episode, and it made for a very interesting and very fun discussion. I loved how he he worded things and stuff like that. So we discussed consciousness, mind, psychedelics, escaping our destructive narratives, and yeah, the importance of kind of finding your path. So I hope you enjoy that episode. I hope you enjoy our discussion And as always, thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next time, and the interview will follow right about now. Um, So yeah, so I guess we'll just like start with kind of what do you think about like kind of the mystery that we still have today between kind of the brain and conscious experience and like the understanding of the mind and all that type, like that conversation that's, it's kind of been revitalized and which is why I want to kind of bring you on to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the hard problem of consciousness is as alive as ever before. I think we don't uh, we don't understand the true the true nature of consciousness, and therefore, you know, it's it's difficult to say that we truly understand anything because consciousness is is all we know. It's the basic substrate through which we're swimming as we exist in this world. Um, my sense of it is that, based on a lot of psychedelic exploration and uh, deep meditation and inquiring into a lot of the world's great mystical literature. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I suppose my viewpoint most fundamentally is that there's uh, that the map is not the territory. So any linguistic signs that I attempt to spew forth here cannot encapsulate the ultimately unsayable territory in which we exist. However, um, I could say that my sense is that consciousness is actually more fundamental than matter that, that in fact, um, everything is consciousness. Mm-hmm. And so I think the way that most uh, scientifically minded people are approaching the question, thinking of consciousness as something that is arising from the physical substrate of the brain is, um, is inaccurate. Actually, it's uh, based on like uh, a really deep false assumption of uh, the present scientific orthodoxy that, um, that matter is the most fundamental uh, sort of substrate uh, of, of the reality we're living in. Um, so from my vantage point, it's more like, you know, clearly there is some physiological relationship between the brain and our state of consciousness and our perceptions, because when we take certain substances, we notice an altered uh, state of perception. So there's, mm-hmm. there's a relationship there and that demonstrates it quite nicely. However, um, those altered states are always taking place within the realm of experiences that we're having. Um, so it's just different types of experiences you can have, but psychedelic states can also sort of open the door to meditative states of dropping back and experiencing sort of the substrate of pure consciousness, which you might think of as like the, the formless oneness in which everything is arising and falling away or like a formless sea of potential or the, the, the infinite context in which all the content of our experience is arising and falling away. Um, 
and so that, and that fundamental substrate of consciousness is actually beyond any type of experience. So it's, it's not something it's difficult to talk about for that reason. It's, right. <laughs> it's, some, it's something that can be realized and seen directly, but it isn't actually experienced. Anything that you experience, any object in your perception is something taking place within consciousness. And you know, it isn't consciousness itself because it changes everything within the phenomenological world arises and falls away and is in a constant state of flux. But that which is behind the scenes and is unchanging and deathless and formless is the fundamental space of consciousness itself, the fundamental field of perception in which everything arises and falls away. And this type of understanding can be realized through uh, many different spiritual modalities cited throughout the ages, um, meditation, psychedelics, um, you know, fasting, things like this. Um, but yeah, this is basically what the great mystics and sages of history have been talking about for thousands of years it's like when you, um, yeah, when you're able to step back from total identification with form and with your human experience, you come to realize that in a certain sense, all is consciousness or all is mind and that there's only actually one thing in existence, which you might call the mind of the all or the mind of God and Mm-hmm. Everything we experience, everything we see or seem is basically a dream within the most legendary. It's like the most legendary dream within the mind of God. That is uh, an attempt to encapsulate my, pers- my perspective from a rather tired uh, state of mind. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think there's some good stuff to work with there because, yeah, it's it's like a conversation that I've become more fascinated with just because, you know, like reading about the kind of your similar perspective from like the mystical perspective, the, from the psychedelic community. And then also like this new kind of recent trend in the philosophical community and also the scientific community. I mean, like we'll kind of get into those a second, but something that I find interesting is like, there's this, like this, I feel like there's like almost like a triangle forming in this, uh, like a connection in this community because psychedelic community, the spiritual community, kind of like vaguely use those terms. They've been talking about it for centuries, right? Of like this consciousness, like everything is consciousness, uh, that that type of language, right? But mm-hmm. now we have, for example, I've been like, I've been reading, I don't know if you've heard of Donald Hoffman. He's a scientist mm-hmm. and he's got some like new research come out. He has this new book out, uh, The Case Against Reality. I'm going to try to bring him on this podcast too to discuss this. But basically kind of like a similar connection there is like everything is consciousness. We can't really trust our perceptions. We're not getting the full picture. We think we're getting the full picture of reality, but really there's a lot of things we can't trust. And it's really interesting coming from him because it's kind of this radical idea in science that's not really widely accepted and and hasn't Mm -hmm. been like, because there is this kind of religious form around science today. And then we also have in the philosophical community, there's been this rise of panpsychism, which to me directly kind of connects with the psychedelic community in the sense of all this consciousness, right? Because, and Philip, uh, Philip Goff, I think that's how you say his name. He recently came out with a book, Galileo's Air, and doing a similar thing. He's like, okay, science is not answering the question. Science is is telling all this stuff about the brain, the body, the cosmos, uh, space and time, all this stuff, right? Just all these material things, physical things. But yet the, the experiences we have, the experiences of, of looking at a red apple, we really don't have an explanation of why that happens. Like we know, we know the brain is involved in some way, but we can't really describe why we have this experience of consciousness. And I find that really fascinating. And yeah, kind of, I guess my question for you is like, do you kind of see some progress in that sense of like, Hey, maybe we can start communicating because I think all three of those, if they start communicating, they can really learn from each other. And that's kind of why I want to bring you on too, is like, I feel like there's starting to become this connection there. And I think it's, it's, it's an opportunity that's starting to come about. Yeah, I do see what you're getting at. 
and I like what you're saying. I think I have been heartened by the the rise of the popularity of panpsychism. Mm-hmm. I think that is moving in the in the right direction, pointing toward um, what I see as the uh, my present understanding or model, which is that all is consciousness. Even though a lot of panpsychism is, I I think, still kind of materialist panpsychism, yeah. and it's sort of mm-hmm. saying that all matter has some element of mind rather than all matter being contained within a kind of um, panentheist supermind that extends that both contains the world of form and extends beyond it, but mm-hmm. it's movement in the right direction. Um, and science as well. Yeah. I think with, with the rise of, of quantum physics and demonstrating um, non-local phenomena, demonstrating the deep interconnectedness of everything and, the realization that um, reality is is and that all matter is mostly empty space is pointing toward um, deep spiritual truth, kind of the, the deep truth of kind of the womb of being or the womb of, of formlessness, the, the kind of primordial formless oneness out of which uh, creation emerges. Um, and as well, quantum physics sort of suggests that we're living basically in a, a kind of holographic universe, like, a yeah, it's like, uh, in some sense, very much akin to a dream. Um, and the absolute reality is that which lies beyond the dream. So I do think these things are, are starting to converge in interesting ways. And I'll, I'll be curious to see how far we can take that. Um, I'm, I'm not sure... Yeah, it's interesting. I'm not sure how far materialist science can really go in terms of getting at these mystical truths, which may only be apprehensible from uh, the subjective perspective. It's like, right. um, yeah, the experience of mystical truth is like a radic- is, is like a radically subjective experience that ends up revealing that there is no objectivity. Actually, there like all is all the subjectivity we're each living within our own self-created universe within the ultimate subjectivity of like the, the capital S self of, you know, the God mind or the absolute or whatever you want to call it. So I'm not sure how far we'll be able to go in terms of reconciling those. But again, it is heartening to see these developments kind of driving in this direction. Um, so, yeah. 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 And, and, that's yeah. That's kind of the the heartening thing I found. It's and and, and I guess I should say, and, and I'm like my audience kind of knows, it's like somewhat a recent development of mine of like me being more accepting of the idea of like all being consciousness, uh, and, and that's why like I find, although like maybe like you don't fully agree with panpsychism, I don't even know if what I fully agree with. I, I never really do, mm-hmm. but. Um, I'm at least fascinated how it's kind of bridging this gap between kind of the it's, you know, cause at the end of the day, like what you're kind of discussing is the mind body problem and you're definitely more so on the mind side, like all this mind essentially where panpsychism and kind of this almost, I think you said it right, where it's like almost like this material panpsychism is, is on the right track, at least in the sense on the benefits of connecting with the scientific community because in the case of Philip Goff and his work, and I think he would agree with this uh, is, is like, it's, it's almost about raising the right questions. So if there is involvement in the scientific community for them to provide insight to the mystical community, for example, this, this idea he's putting forward, like, Hey, science isn't answering these questions. Here's some questions that you guys can go and try and answer and then we can see if there's a connection there. I mean, maybe we can mm-hmm. make some sort of quote unquote progress, whatever progress means. Cause I, <laughs> I never like using the word progress because it's this idea that you're working towards something. And I don't know if I don't have this idea that we're necessarily working towards something. We're always just kind of changing and evolving and moving. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like kind of that idea. And, and that's why I like find it interesting in the mystical side of things is 
because it is at the end of the day comes down to subjective experience. And that's why I kind of found Donald Hoffman's stuff really interesting because he is basically saying someone in the scientific community is basically saying it is all subjective experience. And someone in the scientific community saying that was like extremely fascinating to me. So that's why I wanted to really start bringing all three of these in some way together because yeah, to kind of, and I, maybe you, and this is where something like you could answer is it's about having those three communicate in the sense of raising the right questions. So like maybe for the scientific and philosophical community, is there something that the, that the mystical community can pose for the philosophical and scientific community to kind of help communicate this discussion. And then maybe this is where we could kind of bring in um, psychedelics and see if maybe we can make a connection there. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It was oh. like, uh, well, the thing, the first thing to say would be, you want the fastest track to see what we're talking about. Go mm-hmm. you know, drink some ayahuasca, go take a decent sized dose of psilocybin. Um, although that's, you know, that's not necessary to get there. It is a particularly potent, sort of intervention, especially in the modern world where we're so completely mind identified and, and really the mystics are all talking about states that lie beyond the mind. When you mm-hmm. disidentify from mind and mind just becomes like the, the small mind, I should say, like the ego mind, the, the individual personality mind, when that becomes just another object in consciousness, that's when you're able to drop back and sort of melt into the oceanic super sea of, of, the fundamental consciousness underlying everything. So when I, yeah, <clears throat> when I hear you talking about like, um, you know, I'm starting to warm up to the idea that all is consciousness that indicates that you're, you're approaching it from a philosophical, like mind-based paradigm. You're thinking in terms of like, we can get at the truth just by comparing different ideas. But to me, that's all taking place on the level of the ego mind or the rational mm-hmm. mind. And we can't really get there in that way. And that actually the deeper truths of life uh, can, can't, they, you can't think your way to them. You basically have to see them directly or realize them directly when you drop back out of mind and ego identification and come into this different space of basically observing without evaluating. Because that's when you drop back and you start to tap into the frequency of pure consciousness you notice that it's basically like a neutral observer. It's sort of like the all seeing eye that is neutrally witnessing everything. And it is in a state of an imperturbable peace and kind of an unconditional non-judgment, unconditional acceptance, unconditional love. And you can basically melt into this uh, super sea of awareness. And, and then the, the infinite intelligence and power of it is um, basically self-evident. So it's, it's like, and it, and it goes beyond simply having an experience of it too. It's like something that you re, you, you you see directly is like the substrate underlying experience. Um, so yeah, the, I mean, if people, if people want to move toward that direct realization, um, you know, taking psychedelics, like I said, is particularly powerful in the modern world because we're so utterly mind identified. We're like, We've put thought and rational thought on this ped- on this pedestal, and we we glorify it, and we're we're so we attach to it and think of it as sort of the pinnacle of intelligence that's been realized uh, mm-hmm. in this universe. When when really my sense is that when you actually get out of your own way and you transcend the rational mind and you step back into these deeper waters you find forms of intelligence and wisdom there that are basically older than time and, and vastly more powerful than the so-called rational monkey mind, which is itself a very useful tool and a useful servant in this world. But when you really connect to those deeper mystical waters, uh, the rational mind sort of gets dethroned and put in its proper place as like a useful servant. And then this deeper knowingness, this deeper wisdom that comes from kind of emptying yourself and allowing yourself to be filled by the the sort of flowing river of consciousness or the ocean of consciousness itself, the infinite intelligence of all that is, this kind of becomes your your new uh, most fundamental operating system. It's like becomes the sovereign king of your reality, you could say. 
Um, and so, yeah, psychedelics can just like dissolve, <clears throat> um, the mind, the mental and linguistic filters that are typically creating a, a giant kind of, uh, filter between most people and reality, this big abstract series of lenses through which people are trying to parse reality, like dissolves those. So you come into more direct contact with reality. If someone doesn't want to take psychedelics, um, but they want to move closer to an experience like this, excuse me, um, the books, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, Letting Go by David Hawkins, and then the Spiritual Enlightenment Trilogy trilogy by Jed McKenna, uh, in that order, would probably be some of the best books to start um, sort of disidentifying from mind and dropping back into this awareness, combining those with meditative practice, while definitely being sure to counterbalance Jed McKenna with other mystical authors, because Jed McKenna is... He's like a nuclear warhead to drop into your, <laughs> your being. And he, yeah. could, he could really like derail your, um, <laughs> your, your sanity and mental, emotional well-being if you're not careful, because he's an extremely powerful, potent author. Um, but yeah, those would be some avenues to begin moving beyond, um, yeah, like a totally mind identified paradigm to begin seeing what I see as a, a deeper reality. Yeah. And those are, I think those are great recommendations. Um, and yeah, so like maybe, maybe I can get your thoughts on this too. I'd be interested in that. Uh, so like my, my kind of thought is I I really like that quote. There's multiple people that basically say the same quote. I know Alan Watts referred to it in some way, but like kind of that idea of the telescope is to space and the microscope is to biology. Psychedelics are to the mind, right? You know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard that quote from someone somewhere, right? (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But it's like taking that idea and I'm, I'm like someone that's, I'm fascinated with this idea of people taking psychedelic experiences and then integrating them. And that's why I have been kind of fascinated with this newfound sort of connection between what I like to call like the trifecta of attempting to understand things and the integration in the sense where, where you're right, when you're like in this in psychedelics and the psychedelic community, everyone talks about where it's kind of, you just have to experience it. You just have to, to feel it. You just, that's kind of how you explain it. Right. I think you would agree with that. So then afterwards, when, when the ego comes back in, when the, the rational monkey mind comes back in, how do we, how do we integrate that? And that's why I've been fast. Cause like, it's one thing to integrate and integrate in the sense of, you know, self-improvement, for example. And that's where a lot of the research is being done in psychedelics is mental health, self-improvement. Right. So my kind of fascination is, is because I do see psychedelics as a tool for understanding consciousness and with this newfound fascination in the philosophical and scientific community of consciousness, my thoughts are, okay, it's one thing to focus in on self-improvement, but it's another thing maybe to use them to understand consciousness once we insert that rational mind. So do you think, I guess, to make a question out of this is, do you think there is something beneficial there in trying to, explain it from almost like a rational sense of that idea that it's almost in a sense is unexplainable. Um, if I understand the question, yes, I think it's valuable to attempt to translate the unsayable divine reality in which we're living into rational, uh, Mm -hmm linguistic signs that can potentially create a bridge between someone who's really in a, in a rationalist or mind identified paradigm to potentially transcend that and move beyond it. Um, I think, yeah, for me, that's why the, the books that I mentioned, Tolle Hawkins and Jed McKenna, all three of those authors are really amazing at translating these mystical realities into really clear, um, prose that, that I think is quite intelligible and palatable to, um, 
the Western mind and the Western rational mind, especially if you've had some glimpse of what they're talking about. And if you, if you're open to what they're talking about, I think those things create a bridge. So I do definitely think that there's, there's value in trying to articulate these things and, and build that bridge. Um, yeah. Yes. Is that, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think that's, that's a good, um, answer because yeah. And that's kind of why, because like, like I said, not everyone is going to jump into, uh, the psychedelic community and into that world. And at the end of the day, they are illegal in most places. Right. So it's like those people that are, are taking that leap, taking that leap into understanding is, and that's why I find it really important for the rationalist side of things to kind of like separate the two to, for, for listeners to find a way to explain it in some way so that people that haven't had the experience, haven't had the feeling, haven't had an ego death, for example, they can maybe find ways to integrate. And, and I think you would maybe agree with this too, is I think meditation is a method. I think deep meditation is a method for people that don't want to go the psychedelic route because meditation, you can reach a level of those states and not saying I'm like an expert meditator by any means, but I know of people <laughs> that have reached those states in a sense that gain these understandings. And I think there's some benefit there. So it's almost like finding ways to integrate all these areas of our lives, because I do find this discussion of consciousness, one of the most important ones, because to me, it's if we're going to find something fundamental about understanding what this experience is, I think the understanding of consciousness is like the most important one. And I don't know if you agree with that, because like you were saying, with the, the mystical side of things, it all kind of stems from this one consciousness, whatever that means, or this God consciousness, whatever that means, right? It all extends from that. And then at the end of the day, what science is trying to get at then, well, they're also trying to pull from that in a different light. They're trying to pull from this understanding of consciousness in a different way. Same with philosophy. They're trying to pull. They're all trying to pull from the same like location, I feel like. And yeah, just different ways to integrate it to different ways to explain it to people. So it becomes this like kind of beneficial thing for in a way. Um, and yeah, because like for me on a personal level, kind of this acceptance of possible the possibility of all being consciousness that acceptance that has led me to not only like being open to possibility on like a on the cosmos scale and the scientific scale um and the mystical scale religious scale spirituality all that stuff it, it like opened me to new possibilities of like me always possibly being wrong and i think that's a really important understanding because this understanding of consciousness of like basically we're never going to get to the truth like that exact truth that end goal all of a sudden everything opens up all possibility opens up so i guess my question for you is like have you had a a, a similar experience in that sense and do you see a similar value of consciousness in that way um a similar experience of like the, like, uh, I guess, how do I word this? The value of, cause like you kind I know you talked about in the beginning of like the one consciousness or everything being consciousness, mm-hmm. the value in that and like kind of what that opened you up to mm-hmm. in your experience, like kind of personal experience in that sense. I'm still not sure I understand the question. (laughs) Sorry. It's probably my fault. Terrible at phrasing questions. Um, So like, okay, let me reword this. Um, Okay. So you, so you on a personal level have had experience with the feeling of one consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. And that realization, what did that realization open you up to in the sense of like, what did it create? Uh, a skepticism about maybe that's when you had the realization that that our rationalist monkey mind isn't something to be relied upon. It's not getting us to all the truth. 
that type of thing. Like what kind of realizations did it force you to have? And what kind of realizations do you think that had and, and maybe other people could benefit from? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been completely paradigm shattering to have those experiences and um, see these realities directly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one thing that leaps to mind is a shift from fearing death and wanting to prolong this individual human life as long as possible um, to like a deeply felt embodied sense that um, death is an illusion and that nothing is ever lost and nothing true ever dies. And that our fundamental nature is like an indestructible deathless energy that you might call consciousness or source energy or whatever you want to call it. Um, It's yeah. Led to a deeper realization that any idea or belief on the level of mind Um, can't be true because it's like the map is not the territory. All human ideas and beliefs are attempts to compress infinite indescribable reality down into these simple mouth noises and linguistic signs. And so therefore all beliefs and ideas are inescapably reductive. And so, and at best, all linguistic maps are, are like fingers pointing at an unsayable moon. And so you don't want to get lost looking at the finger. What you want is the moon. So right. um, you want to try to use these bridges of language to get basically beyond language and beyond mind and even beyond experience to get a taste of that tasteless, um, <laughs> like uh, for fla- flavorless, deathless, changeless, formless, absolute that lies beyond all of it. Um, yeah, there's been, there's been just a dramatic reduction in levels of anxiety and fear and guilt, um, and, and self-doubt. There's just been, yeah, really, a really deeply, a really deeply felt sense that, that, we're basically here to play and create and, and love each other from a place of love. And, and through that, all that is, is exploring itself and exploring its many potentialities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's radically freeing to just, just see that, that you can really do whatever you want in this life. Um, yeah. Those are some of the things that, that come to mind as far as, shifts that have happened since I've had those experiences. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, and, and that's why I kind of, kind of think about the, the consciousness discussion. And also, I guess in just general, it kind of the psychedelic community, the meditative community, even on a spiritual level, not only is like the self-improvement side important, but all of a sudden you, I like to discuss the narrative side of things, like the the narratives we create, right? So like on the so on the personal level, you start recognizing kind of these these stories and narratives that we hold true to our hearts and like we thought were true and we create an identity around. We mm-hmm. we found them true in the sense like they are of they are of the objective truth, right? And and the, like we see this in religion, I think we see this in science. And we build stories around those and people get really offended when you start picking those apart, when you start telling them it's, it's kind of just the story you're following. Mm. And it's like you start recognize that on the personal level. And then I think it's really beneficial for people to start recognize it on a more cultural level, for example. Um, and like, and, and that's why maybe you can like speak to this as well. Um, I find the the discussions of kind of, Western tradition and, and Eastern tradition and these various traditions and how they came to these very different worldviews. And yet on the Western side, at least, I, I, I won't say this on the Eastern side because I think they're a little bit more open, but on the Western side, 
a lot of our traditions we we hold to be like these concrete fundamental things of the universe like they're unchangeable human nature is unchangeable blah 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 and the story goes on right and that's when you form kind of um western capitalism for example in the sense of how do i want to word this I guess bringing it back to a personal level on that on that on that side of things, it's like you work hard, you go through your day, and you keep going through that loop. You go through the nine to five job, you keep doing that, and I kind of bring this up because kind of what you said is these realizations you had is you know at the end of the day you had these realizations that the the world is kind of a playground. You kind of do what you want. There's no there's no story that you have to follow. And I think that's a very Western thing where we have this story and we create this identity, we create these truths, we insert them in and say, that's the way it is. So I guess to phrase a question for you, it's like, how do we phrase it for people to kind of break out of their kind of loop and narratives and paradigm that they're stuck in because they just assume what they've been given since childbirth, what they've been given in education, what they've been provided and told to be true, mm-hmm. you know, what if it's not? Like, at least mm-hmm. ask that question, right? It's like, mm-hmm. what if it's not true? What if it's not all there is, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. yeah, how do we how do we break people out of that being stuck in their narratives, being closed off? Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's difficult. I mean, my sense is, my present sense isn't really to try to change people who don't want to be changed or like Mm -hmm. to ask how, how, you know, how do we force people to break out of their stories? If a person, when a person becomes ready to break out of their story, it's like that, that Zen koan or proverb, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. When a person is ready to break out of their habitual reality tunnel and shift into another reality, Mm -hmm. the tools to do that will appear to them. But prior to that, there's nothing you can do to, to shift a person. I mean, you could put some LSD in their water or something, but I don't <laughs> think that that's likely to be a very good. Probably uh, not a good idea. <laughs> probably, yeah, not ultimate. Probably gonna have some chaotic results. Um, yeah. yeah, it's like people people don't change until they decide to change, and when a person does decide to change, um, that decision will start to call in the resources and the teachers Mm -hmm. and the environments and the situations that are necessary to catalyze that change is kind of how I view it. Um, At the same time, you know, there are a lot of people out there who have started to realize that they, they want to change in some way. They, something feels wrong about their reality and they don't, they're looking for something. They don't know what it is. So then they take to the internet, they start asking questions and maybe they find a guy like you or a guy like me who can give them some food for thought and start to, um, you know, deconstruct some of these stories or shift them into a different um, reality tunnel because the student has become ready and thus the teacher appears. And I think, you know, there's so many different ways to start to loosen a person's grip on their particular stories or shift them into a different reality tunnel. Um, But most fundamentally, you know, I would tell someone to attempt to drop all beliefs and all stories yeah. attempt to believe, start attempt to believe nothing and then just look very closely at your own experience and start to see really from first principles, what seems true. Keep at ask what is true and who am I? And keep asking those questions, use those questions as like a, a white hot sun that will just burn away untruth. If you just keep asking those questions and keep digging into them and digging into them and digging into them. Um, and gradually that leads to beautiful places in my experience. Although <laughs> it probably will first lead to some very dark nights mm. of the soul because the total breakdown of a previous reality is a very frightening right. and very disorienting thing. And a lot of people presently are going through this total breakdown of a previous reality. And there's so much fear that comes up, but just realize as that process is happening, that, that reality breakdown is also clearing a space for what can then blossom and emerge the new reality, which um, maybe, you know, the reality breakdown may end up being the best thing that ever happened to you because what ends up taking its place may just be 
a new paradigm in which life just feels a lot lighter. You can go a lot slower. You feel liberated to really be who you are and do what you want. Um, you see like fear is dramatically diminished because you see that um, it's truly always okay on the deepest level and there's nothing, mm -hmm. there's nothing to worry about. Um, yeah, that, that comes up to say another thing on kind of a side note that I wanted to add, you've mentioned self-improvement a couple times. I think it's really worth, I would really tell people to really scrutinize self-improvement ideology. Um, mm -hmm. And as well, a lot of, a lot of what passes for spirituality is also kind of in this self-improvement camp. And I noticed that there's this way in which the kind of ideology of the consumerist rat race of like forever delaying fulfillment to some future destination and just perpetually building a resume and jumping through hoops and keeping up with the Joneses and accumulating more and more and more to try to reach some mythical future destination can right. be transposed from the economic domain onto the self-improvement and spirituality domain where people are try always trying to find the next experience and the next self-improvement book and the next transformative exercise that's just trying to add more and more to their resume, thinking that it's eventually going to fill some kind of void within them. Um, but it, it never does because the only thing that really like fills that void is doing the deep, the deep inner kind of searching and seeking of coming to see what is, is blocking you from realizing how to say this blocking you from remembering the truth of who you really are, because on the deepest level, what you are is one with the primordial oneness, the primordial wholeness of all that is you are one with the power that birthed galaxies and you're something so indescribably radiant, tremendous and extravagant It's beyond your wildest dreams. And you've always been that and you always will be that you were that as a newborn child and you're that now, and there's actually nothing you need to do to prove or become enough or worthy or whole. You just are that. And you, you, are, there's no, there's, there's no amount of, of experience or accolades or accomplishments that you can accumulate to fill that void you just have to actually get down to the realization that that's what you are and, and remember and actually feel that, that inseparability, that deep connection to everything that is. Um, and we're so disconnected from that, the ideology of separation, this ideology that says we're a separate skin encapsulated ego in a kind of hostile universe is so deeply programmed into so many of us that we feel deeply isolated. We feel like atoms in a, in a giant, cold, scary universe. Um, but what true spiritual practice does is really gradually relinquish and let go of all the falseness and all the blockages and all the layers of delusion that prevent us from feeling the reality, feeling truly the reality that we are functions of all that is, that we're coming out of the earth, that we didn't come into this world. We, we arose out of it like trees and we're, and we're, everything is just growing out of the super intelligence of all that is like a, like a, a beautiful poem or, or a divine painting. You're like a function of, of the divine painting of all that is. And when you feel that and really remember that, then you see that there's nothing you need to do, attain, possess, accomplish, or improve to be enough and to be fulfilled. You just are that in this moment and there's nothing you need to do. You're complete already. And then, and then it's not to say that you then never do anything, but from that place of actually deeply realizing you're already whole and complete and there's nothing you need to do that then opens up the space for you to actually see what you truly organically want to do in this reality and start acting from that more honest, authentic place of really asking what, what is my soul wanting to do in this lifetime? You know, why am I mm -hmm. here right now? Um, what, what really would excite me? What excites me? What do I find fun? What, what sets me on fire and then do that? Um, so yeah, I think look very closely at the self-improvement world because there's, um, there's sort of a, a, a deep set of ideological assumptions underlying a lot of it that are ultimately 
like another toxic form of, I think this, this Western like uh, ideology of separation and not enoughness and, and accumulation to try to compensate for a deeply felt void that can't be ameliorated through that means. So, yeah. And I, that was all very well said uh, because I, yeah, I agree in like, although I can see people getting, how do I phrase this? getting positive things from some of the self-improvement stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. There is also a addiction to it, I think in a, in a Mm -hmm. sense like that, that consumerist mentality of it's, it's almost like they're continuing to pursue a high of like, okay, maybe this book will give me the understanding I need. Maybe, maybe this book I'll have the technique I need to, to fulfill myself. And yeah, it's like they're, they're starting to, try to integrate someone else's story. They're trying to, to build off someone else's story, someone else's technique that they're feeding them. And yeah, it's, it's like they could get addicted and maybe, maybe this is a way to connect in, in some sense, kind of going off the top of my head here, but that's what I, I find in like the psychedelic community is it's important to integrate what you are, learn. And I think the the translates over, okay, it's like you, you take the psychedelics, you have these realizations, and then you kind of have to integrate them. Um, same with the self-improvement world. I think people can consume, 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 and they never really like integrate anything. They never really, never fully forces them to evaluate things or kind of just, yeah, they're always just going towards per, thinking they're progressing towards this end goal, but all of a sudden they just keep getting disappointed because it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't actualize anything in a way. And, and I think that's the realization. And, and yeah, I'll also say like, kind of like what the first of you said and branching off of this is on my show, it's like, I'm not trying to, you know, force people to, to like accept the realizations I've had or, or to force them to kind of change their life. It's more of like my, what I see is maybe my role is, I'm a, I'm a curious person. I want to like, I, I want to try to figure things out and people can, can take my realizations for what they want and they can try to maybe rethink things if they want. But at the end of the day, I tell them I'm still a dummy. I'm still trying to figure things out. I don't know what the hell is going on. Right. I, I like to try to, to learn, but um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like maybe the, the one thing I can tell people that they ought to do is, just just think about what we do and why we do it and what we think our place is and also just yeah just trying to understand what is like what does that mean the when we say this is the way it is how do we interpret that ourselves like what do we want to be and just evaluating things constantly i think is important too so kind of yeah that thing is basically i'm agreeing with you and and yeah there there is a a dangerous aspect to self-improvement there is a dangerous aspect of of like trying to force people down a path because i don't want to i don't want to force people down a path that they feel like they're going down my path because my path is my path you can't take my path only i can right and so you know it's it's that idea is like people can learn from other people's paths there's stuff to learn in that sense but don't try to take someone else's, take your own, create your own story, if you will. So that, that right. type of thing. So I don't know if you have any thoughts from that. Yeah. And that's one of the most, been one of the most powerful realizations of mine over the years has been that you can learn from so many people and there can be so many great teachers that you're really thankful for um, on your path. But at the end of the day, there's that Zen koan. If you meet the Buddha on the path, kill mm-hmm. him. And it's, <laughs> It's really succinct and potent way of saying, like, take everyone off a pedestal. Don't put any teacher on a pedestal. Don't worship anyone's perspective and say, oh, all-knowing guru, please tell me how things are and put someone above yourself because ultimately it's your universe you're living in. Your, you, it's your sight. It's your understanding. And the voice of truth within yourself is the most powerful 
the most powerful compass for um, for determining how to navigate through that reality and determining, you know, your own your own understanding of what is. Um, and so, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I don't have too much more to say than that, but just uh, yeah, kill, the, kill the Buddha, learn from teachers, but then don't put anyone on a pedestal. Um, mm-hmm. And and yeah, find the truth for yourself because you can't just you can't just inherit someone else's belief system. That's not um, that's not real knowledge. That's just like a that's just like a map. Another it's just another ideology that you're buying into and attaching to. You've really got to see it for yourself. Um, you got to see it for yourself, and the way to do that is by attempting to step into that space of not knowing and not believing. Drop all supposed knowledge yeah. and belief, and then just look very directly at your own experience and see what you find there. Yeah, and that, and that's and that's a good point in kind of explaining in a similar way because you kind of refer to this. I, I've said it in this way, and I'm, I'm sure I like borrowed it from somewhere. I don't recall where I borrowed it from. But uh, it's it's like we have all these beliefs, right? We take all this knowledge from whether it's whether it's gurus, whether it's like political ideologies, even uh, religious ideologies, cultural ideologies. All of them have ideologies, belief systems, telling you what's true in the world, right? And the way I always like to say it is, it's basically like you are creating a a like a forest from that. Like it's just a forest is building. It's all sorts of brush and, and debris are growing all from all these beliefs we're taking in and all this supposed knowledge we're taking in. But like, that's kind of what I see. And and I think what you are trying to do as well is it's like, okay, I'm not going to tell you the path to take, the beliefs to hold, the traditions to hold, the religions to take insight from, right? Uh, I'm going to say is like, okay, recognize the force that's like that's grown but maybe you need to take an opportunity just maybe and like clear that and you you create like the blank canvas kind of like exactly what you were referring to before is like you create this blank canvas you clear the forest it becomes like this prairie of openness and all of a sudden you can start i think you said you can start allowing new things to grow and i think that's a really really important realization to have for people and if they're going to like take anything away, that's what they should take away. Like I said, I'm not going to tell you the truth to follow. Do that yourself. That's like, mm-hmm. that's your job. If, if you have one job in this world, that's your job. It's kind of mm-hmm. like finding your meaning, your purpose. <laughs> I can't tell you what to find meaning and purpose in. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think that's a good way to kind of end the discussion kind of. So my, my closing question, where can people, uh, you know, find out more about you and all the projects that you're working mm. on and all that fun stuff. Give them a, give them a little sales pitch. <laughs> yeah. So refine the mind.com. You can find my work. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at underscore Jordan underscore Bates. Um, you can find more of my work on high existence.com. Uh, we do psychedelic retreats through high existence, legal um, ayahuasca and psilocybin retreats. If you're interested in those, um, yeah, those are some potentialities. So thank you for listening. Cool. Yeah, thank you.